In the name of Jesus, amen. Some of you might not know. Um, when I uh, went to college, my undergraduate was Bluffton University. We were home of the Beavers. Woo. But uh, my, my undergraduate uh, major was psychology. Now, on the first day of psychology, uh, the professor was giving uh, a few examples of the type of things that we would study, and, and I guess he wanted to gather our attention, so he gave a kind of list of did you knows. And there was one part of that list of did you knows in psychology that always stuck with me ever since. Now, I'm not sure of the accuracy. Uh, he didn't say this was, you know, tested multiple times and anything like that. He was just putting it in a list. But anecdotally, I found it to be true. With people that were, uh, that were conversing with, males, oftentimes when they're having conversation, will be side by side. And females, oftentimes when we're having conversation, will be face to face. Now he's told me that the reason for this was uh, the intensity of that interaction is lessened when you're side by side. You can hear the other person, but you don't have to see their face. You can uh, experience what the other person has to say and all this kind of good stuff, but, but there's, there's, a, there's an ease of it. When you're face to face with a person, you cannot escape that person, for better or for worse. Now, I don't know if it's true for males or females, but for me, I found that some of the toughest conversations often wind up being side by side. Whenever I'm uh, running with a group and we get into deep conversation, it seems almost like the conversation flows effortlessly. But when I'm with that same person and we're eating a meal face to face, we just kind of talk about the weather or whatever else is there. In the same way, when I have uh, deep, heart-wrenching conversations uh, with folks, either whether it's professionally or personally, eye contact either is intensified or broken, depending on the strength of the conversation. The reason I bring this up is because in Lent, we have an invitation, we have a practice in the church of deepening a communion with God. And that can be like a face-to-face -face conversation that you've never quite experienced before. That's looking into the eyes of God very deep and very long. And that can be intense and scary. The text that we have today uh, does three movements of don't do this particular thing in public or don't let it be known in public, but do it in secret where your father sees in secret. Now these movements aren't about being secretive strictly. The movements are about taking away the temptation of these practices that the church has had for a very, very long time, that our history and that our tradition have had a practice of fasting, had a practice of almsgiving, had these practices developed so that we could draw close to God. And there is always a temptation to instead connect or brag or stand side by side with God by doing these things in public and being seen in public and having that be the interaction. 
go with fasting. The example is, don't contort your face to show that you are fasting. Rather, put oil on your forehead before you go out so that no one even knows. For you. What would it be like if we fasted without telling anybody? What would it be like if we entered into this practice not for the experience of community with others, not for the experience of showing our piety, not for any other experience, but then in the moments when meals would occur, in the moments when pangs happen, to be connected and draw near to God? It seems much like, more like a face-to-face conversation. Now, many of us have practiced Lent for nearly all of our lives, and some of us are new to it, but irregardless, this practice might not be new to you. We probably all have the practice, or many of us, or some of us, have a practice of giving up something or adding something to our daily practices for Lent. And these are good things, you know? These are, these are methods and meditations designed for the strict communion with God. But, if you're like me, whether I'm giving something up, whether I'm adding something, I'll still find a way of avoiding the experience. I don't know if it's because I I see that intense stare, that intense conversation with God to be so intense that I can't stand it, whether it's that I find the experience of talking, conversing in an empty room to be so silly that I can't stand it. I don't know why it is that I find ways of getting out of the practice that I've set up for myself, but I do. So what do we do with that? What do we do with the temptation in the midst of Lent, in the midst of everyday life, to draw away from God? Well, I believe it helps to hear the voice of God. In a few moments, we'll do the imposition of ashes. And each and every person that receives that, and all of us, will hear the word that, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, many of us have heard this as an expression of our mortality, right? Remember that you are dust, and certainly and definitely you shall return to that same dust. I believe there's an opportunity to hear that as good news and as promise as well. What does God do with dust? God breathes life into it. God shapes it into creation. God calls it by a name. God gives it generations. God makes promises and covenants with it. God makes heritage and love with it. Out of dust, God creates life as we know it. God promises to dust. And whether you began in dust or whether you are ending in dust, these promises are for you. Because we have a very foolish God who promises and loves things that are made out of dust.
remember that you are beloved dust. And as that mark of the cross is made on your forehead, and the very dust you shall return to, remember that is also the mark of the promises that were given to you. In baptism, in communion, in the good preaching, in the word, and in life. Beloved children of God, this is the person. No, this is the God we are called to be in communion with. The one that makes good things out of dust. May you have a good Lent. May we commune with God together. Amen.